A couple of weeks ago, uh, we began a new teaching series um, uh, uh, affectionately called Bless, Eat, Listen, Learn, and Scent. It was born out of a, a, a book. Uh, it's, it's, it's based off, kind of, sort of, in some ways, off a, off a book uh, by Michael Frost called Surprise the World. Frost is this crazy Australian theologian, preacher, and, and, and he advocates some habits of, 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 of discipleship, some habits of followers of, of Jesus Christ, and he uses the acronym B-E-L-L-S. He uses the word bells. So uh, bless, eat, listen, learn, and scent. And so, so far we've done the B and the E, and in, in the last couple of weeks, uh, Two weeks ago, we sent you away with this. Uh, we wanted you to practice new habits of followers, being a follower of Jesus. And so the habit we sent you away with was we want you to bless three people each week, three people on purpose. One of our teams said this morning, man, I bless people all the time. I don't even know it. <clears throat> and I said, they don't know it either. <laughs> we want you to go out and bless three people every week like with, with a conscious mind like looking for opportunities, looking for, and, and not, not three people a day, not three people an hour, but man, what if, what if just three people a week, would that change things? Would that open something up in us to, to be more like Christ? So we challenge you to bless three people, uh, three people a week, at least one of whom is not, who is not a friend of our church. And then last week, uh, we came and we talked about table. And uh, so those of you that were here, we actually sat around tables. We, we rearranged the whole thing. We talked about the power of, of sitting in circles or sitting in, in rows. We, uh, we talked about the Son of Man, the, the simple sacred, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, how Jesus changed the world by eating, like what it meant when he actually uh, called Zacchaeus down from a tree and said, I'm going to your house today, and what that meant when people looked at him and said, man, why are you eating with such scum? See, around the table, Jesus taught people about generosity and forgiveness and family. Around the table, uh, Jesus introduced people to the kingdom of God. And so the second habit, we want you to bless three people a week, but the second habit is we want you to eat with three people a week. And this is the South, so we should be good at this. All right, so homework check. How many of you uh, sat down and ate with three people this week? All right, let's, let's be bold. Show of hands. All right, get your hands up. Who ate with three people this week? Man, you guys are sad. Come on now. How many of you ate with one person this week? Not counting yourself. <laughs> there we go. Man, I challenge, you, uh, I, I challenge you to get out there and do it. There is something simple and sacred that, that happens around the table. Um, it's been funny as we've introduced these new habits. Hey, we, yes, we want you to still bless three people a week. Uh, we want you, this is your week, man. Maybe you didn't knock out three people, eating with three people this week. Uh, this is your week. You can do it. Put it into practice. Put it into play. Uh, it's been funny, some of the conversations that have come out. Like, uh, like I invited some guys, and we had lunch together this week. And the guys were like, no, 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 I'm taking credit for this. I'm taking credit. You're one, two, three, Done. There's been some of the, uh, even the, you know, it, trying to get you to actively kind of engage this blessing part of your faith. Like, uh, I know even after service, there was one of our guys, God, I love you guys, but one of our guys was going around shaking people, man, God bless you, one. God bless you, two. So, I don't know, is that like partial credit? Like, the point is, we want to, 
how can we engage in us that um, our, our followerness of, of Jesus? How can we bring our lives more into alignment with his? And so we've been, uh, we've been engaging in Frost's book, Surprise the World, about living curious ways, built a little bit around uh, uh, 1 Peter 3, where it says, always be ready to give a response for the hope that you have. Always re- be ready to give an answer when people ask you about your, your faith, about your Christian life. And that, that, uh, that response uh, assumes that you're living in, in a kind of questionable way. It assumes that you're living in some sort of way that arouses curiosity in friends and neighbors. And so these habits are kind of set out to, to help us live in, in ways more like Jesus, in ways that uh, the, the way of Jesus is questionable even now here today in our world. Um, I love talking to people. So we have these books on sale, and we'd love for you to pick one up and read them. They're, they're all of $5. Um, and I love these the conversations that I have sometimes. Like, uh, I, I, I push a book or advertise a book, say, hey, this would be really good. I think this would be helpful. You could read a chapter a week. It goes along with our teaching series. And um, I had someone tell me this morning, you know that book you wanted us to read? That thing was actually really good. I'm actually reading it this time. I thought, okay, awesome. <laughs> We're making progress, though. We're going to get there. So uh, today, uh, we're going to be out there. We've talked about blessing. We've talked about eating. Um, today, we're going to talk about listening. And uh, I know that's, uh, that's not our best subject. But to do that, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Maybe if you have one of the King James Version Bibles, it will say the Holy, what is it? Ghost. And that was just a, a, an old English form of the word gas, which means spirit. So if, you, if it says Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, it, it means the same thing. But what is it? What is the Holy Spirit? How does it, how does it work? If your kids ask you, hey, what is the Holy Spirit? Would you show them a picture like this? Is the Holy Spirit still a thing? Have you seen this question come up in Christian circles? Is this something that's still here? Is, is this still working or did it have kind of an expiration date? Is it not around or is it is around? Or, and if it's around, if this is still a thing, then how do we know it's a thing? So this morning, I want to spend a little bit of time just kind of doing a shotgun um, there, shotgun teaching about the Holy Spirit. There, there's so much to say and, and, and so little time, but, but I want to dive into it a little bit. So in the New Testament, the word spirit is the word in Greek. It's the word pneuma. I'm not a great uh, Greek scholar, but, uh, but pneuma means spirit, yes, but, but a deeper meaning is, is breath or wind, so do you remember in, in Genesis when God creates the world and he separates the, uh, what is from what isn't and, and uh, places the stars? What is the, his creative force? How does he create everything? Is it with his hands or with his breath, with his voice? Even the name of God in the Old Testament when Moses says, who do, I, who do I tell them that you are? He says, Yahweh, which is really like just four letters in Hebrew put together and they sound, uh, when, you, when you sound them out, it sounds like the, it's, it's the sound of breath. And in the New Testament, when it talks about the Holy Spirit, 
It's talking about the breath of God, the wind of God. Jesus was led into the wilderness by the breath. Isaiah prophesied, speaking of Jesus, that God would place his spirit, his wind, his breath upon him, he would, and he would proclaim justice to the nations. There's another word used in the, in the New Testament sometimes to um, a synonym for pneuma is the word uh, paraclete. Or, or it's not a synonym, I, I guess, in definition, but it, it means Holy Spirit as well. The word paraclete is uh, uh, from, from two words, the, the word para, which means from close beside or by your side, and clete, which is just to, to make a call. So, so the paraclete is sometimes translated advocate or helper. Have you heard this? Have you seen this? So... Um, uh, an advocate or helper, it's, it's kind of a legal term for one who is close enough to the situation to make the right judgment call. Are you with me? So you imagine uh, uh, when a, um, a person is being read the verdict of, of the trial, they stand up and who stands with them? Their advocate, right? So this is kind of this picture. It's, it's sometimes used by Jesus, uh, used for Jesus, who pleads our, clay, our case to God. So sometimes Jesus is referred to as our advocate, but Jesus uses it sometimes to describe one who would come after him. The Holy Spirit is uh, mentioned, the, the paraclete, the pneuma of God is mentioned again and again in the New Testament. Uh, the Holy Spirit uh, can get you pregnant. Just look at the story of a virgin named Mary. In John 14, verses 16 and 17, look what it says. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another paraclete who will never leave you. He is the holy pneuma. He's the holy breath, the holy wind who leads into all truth. And the world cannot receive him because it's not looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be, what are those last two words? So this breath, this wind is closer than you think. And I know maybe that's an uncomfortable thought. The New Testament talks very boldly that it is, uh, uh, it's a big no-no. It's bad to blaspheme or talk bad about the Holy Spirit. We know the Holy Spirit is a gift of God. Believers in Christ, followers, followers of Christ, receive when they are baptized. We baptize you so you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit also operates kind of on its own set of rules because even in the New Testament, sometimes people receive the Holy Spirit before they're baptized. There's even this interesting situation in Acts that says, well, they already got the Holy Spirit. Why don't we go ahead and baptize them? <laughs> it's kind of this uncomfortable moment. So it's going to, the Holy Spirit... Like I said, it plays by its own rules. Not only is the Holy Spirit a gift, but the Holy Spirit gives gifts. If you've heard in Galatians, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are what? Love and joy and peace and patience, kindness. Like when you see these things coming out of you, you know that that spirit isn't just right next to you, but within you. The Holy Spirit convicts us in the world of our own sinfulness. 
I think this happens before and after baptism. It's, um, it's, it's more than just a, you know, the, a good angel on one shoulder and, a, and the devil angel on the other shoulder. It's deeper than that. But it's always calling us into righteousness. It's always reminding us about who God is. The, the Holy Spirit speaks the truth in John chapter 16, verse 13. It says, when the pneuma of truth comes, when the wind, when the breath of truth comes, he will guide you into all what? Truth. In Luke chapter 12, verse 12, it says, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. I love this aspect of, of, of the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks for us when we don't know what to say. Have you ever had that moment? Uh, someone was telling me even last week, I was just about to invite this guy to church. I was just about to start a conversation about, about faith. And somebody right next to me just jumped right in and invited him to our church. And I'm so mad. It was my, my chance. But have you ever had that moment where um, maybe a conversation about faith or, or what you believe um, comes up and and I love a, a, a lot of Christians, like we just go cold, like deer in headlights look, like, oh man, he's going to ask me about my faith. He's going to ask me a question from the Bible and I don't know. He's going to ask me something I don't know. Well, you don't have to worry, right? God kind of already anticipated our inability to speak, or our hesitation to speak. Some of you have felt that even as we've kind of leaned deeper into this discipleship stuff. Some of you felt that when you want me to eat with other people? I don't know how to do that. But it says in Luke chapter 12, like the Holy Spirit at that time will teach you what to say. Like, like you don't even have to worry. God knew our hesitation. And, and so he knew that sometimes we would hesitate or not have all the answers. And he said, you know what? You can trust that this breath that's inside of you can come out of you. The Holy Spirit helps in our weakness says what needs to be said to God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, look what it says. It says, and the holy pneuma helps us in our weakness. How many of you guys have faced weakness lately? Has that defined you? Has that, has that been uh, a part of your life? The Holy Spirit helps us through that. He says, for example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Have you ever felt like that? Like, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Numa, prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. I, I love that kind of sense. So we have this person of God who is with us, who is in us, who is uh, a, a better translation, is, is uh, inexpressible size brought on by circumstances of great pressure. The, the Holy Spirit to God on our, is advocating to God on our behalf like, crush. That yearning for us to God. The Holy Spirit is clutch. It, it comes through for us when, when we fail or when we fall short. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and part of the reason it always makes me nervous to talk about the Holy Spirit or preach on the Holy Spirit, it says, But when you uh, but you will receive the Holy uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Numa comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is powerful and it is power giving. If you know uh, Acts, what happens in the very next chapter? 
That's why I'm nervous to always talk about the Holy Spirit because, man, if anything like, like what happens in the New Testament church related to the Holy Spirit starts happening here, we're going to be all running for the doors. We're going to be terrified. Remember what happens at the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes and lands on a house? The sound like a what? Rushing wind. Like a mighty wind comes and fills the house and tongues like fire come and rest on everyone in the house and they begin to speak not in tongues, not in unintelligible tongues, but they begin to speak in different languages, right? And everyone in the town comes running to the house. Why? Because they hear wind and fire. This is bad, right? And when they get there, every person from every different nation and tribe and people hear the word of God being spoken in their own language. Pretty powerful. The Holy Spirit gives us that power. Romans chapter 8, verse 6, it says, uh, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and what? How many of you could use a double portion of that? In John chapter 14, verse 26, it says, uh, or Jesus is speaking, but when the Father sends the advocate, the paraclete, the one who stands by my side, who makes the call because he's been there every step of the way. When the, when the Father sends the paraclete, the advocate, as my representative, that is the holy pneuma, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. So the Holy Spirit moves in this way of reminding us about Jesus and his teaching. He, he, he is constantly helping us become followers of Jesus Christ. He's, he's helping bring our lives into alignment with Christ. In fact, it's something you can't do on your own. You need the work of the Holy Spirit to do this. Paul tells the Galatians uh, in, in chapter five to let the Holy Spirit guide their lives. The Holy Spirit um, is... Um, not an it or a thing, most often described as a he. The Holy Spirit is God. And I know that's a bold statement even, even in our world. And uh, some people want to say, okay, see, I told you Christianity was, is polytheistic. You, have, you really have three gods, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we say, no. We, we think all are God, and, and together they're all God. And I'm not exactly quite sure exactly how that works. And if anyone can tell you, explain to you perfectly how the Trinity works, I, I wouldn't trust them all the way. Some have tried to say, well, it's, you know, it's like water can take different forms, a solid, a liquid, or a vapor, or, 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 or a man can be a, a father, a brother, and a son, all in, all in one. Okay, maybe, yeah. But I know this Father God, the Lord God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and His Spirit are one. And if you were baptized here today, you were baptized in that Holy Trinity. You were baptized in the name of the Father and the Son 
And if you're a little bit older, the Holy Ghost, right? I know you can't have one without the others. Jesus talks so much about being connected to the Father and the Advocate. You can't separate the Father and the Son from the Spirit. Three in one. So I know that's kind of a crash course on, on the Holy Ghost. And so the next question you should be, uh, maybe you should be asking is, okay, so if the Holy Ghost is a thing, <laughs> an it, a him, a he, how does it work? <laughs> how does this wind, this breath, this helper from God work? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> I love the story of Elijah uh, from the book of Kings. Uh, I, I know I've told you before. It's one of my favorites from the Old Testament. But Elijah is called onto a mountain to meet God. Do you remember this? And when he climbs up this mountain to meet God, a windstorm comes up. And it's not just, this is, this is like West Texas windstorm. Do any of you guys know what that's like? You don't know. You're from Tennessee. I mean, this is some wind. It, the scripture says that the wind is so strong that it tears the rocks from the mountains. And there is Elijah in this middle of this windstorm, but it says, but God was not in the wind. And immediately after this hurricane-force windstorm, there becomes an earthquake, and it's off the Richter scale. The mountain's being torn apart, but it says God is not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake comes fire, a blazing inferno. But God is not in the fire. And after the fire comes the sound of a gentle whisper. And Elijah covers his face because he knows that he is in the presence of God. I think that's why in uh, Luke chapter 5 verse 16, I, I, if you look at the example of Jesus, I think that's why Jesus again and again and again, you see him moving from the crowds, moving from the spotlight, moving from the attention to the wilderness or to lonely places is what scripture calls. Even he disappears sometimes. Even the disciples, they can't find him. They think that he's gone, he's deserted. They're, they're nervous, they're frantic searching for him. They can't find him. He's removed himself for, for prayer, but, but I think for a deeper place. Why did Jesus go to lonely places and quiet places? And, and the answer is not to be alone. Jesus didn't just need his personal space. I think he was physically, intentionally posturing himself in a place where he could hear the sound of a gentle whisper. Are you with me? Jesus goes to wilderness places, to lonely places, to listen for the voice of God, to listen for the wind, the breath of God. 
the ancients had a way of, the, the church fathers had a way of studying the, the Bible. I know I've introduced it to you before, called Lectio Divina. It was a way of looking at scripture, this, this, this divine, Lectio, it's, it's just Latin, it just means divine, divine reading, sacred reading, and it, and it was a way, of, uh, a way of studying scripture, of opening yourself up to scripture, and it, and it had four parts. The first part was Lectio, so you just pick a, you just pick a section of scripture and you just read it, you spend some time in it. Um, it, it's not the one-year Bible. You just, you just pick a piece of scripture and you, you spend some time there. You just kind of hang out on this scripture. It, it can't be too long. It, it's not just the verse of the day, but, but you pick a, a piece of scripture and you just kind of spend some time there. You land on it. Lectio, and the second part is meditatio. You meditate on that scripture. Okay, what, is it, what does it mean and what is it saying and, and what's rising off the page as, as I read these words? What's, what's there? And you, you meditate and reflect on it. The, the third part of this is, I know this is really groundbreaking. The third part is you pray that meaning into your life. Oratio, you, you say it, you speak it into your life. You read it, you think about it, and then you pray it into your life. And all of us have probably been taught to do that same thing since we were kids, right? Since the very beginning. But there was a fourth part to Lectio Divina. And, and I think at least as important as the other three parts. And it has been horribly absent in the lives of too many Christians today. The fourth part is called Contemplatio. And it simply means to sit and listen. Read God's word. Think about God's word. Pray God's word into your life. And then shut up and get out of the way. Sorry, I know that was kind of inappropriate. Contemplatio is this, um, this incredibly important idea that says there is a God and he actually wants to speak to me into my life, into this moment, in, into the situations that I'm facing, that through the power of his Holy Spirit, he wants to, he wants to speak into my life. One of the key questions we're, we're really pushing in our discipleship groups are, is how is God speaking to you through his word? How many times have you had a Bible study where you opened the word and you talked about what it meant and you prayed and then you were done and you left and you just left it there? contemplatio is this divine listening. I think Jesus knew it. I think that was the example Jesus was setting for us. He was inviting us. He was showing us how to, to invite the Holy Spirit into our life. The Spirit of God wants to speak into your life. And even in that question, uh, even if you go deeper into your Bible studies, maybe you put Lectio Divina into practice this week. As you go deeper, as you get to that place of, oh, man, how is God speaking to me through his word? And you just kind of have this moment of, of waiting and listening. You recognize that there is a God, and he cares about your life, and he wants to speak into it. But there'll, there'll also become an action step that comes with that, too. Generally, there is now there's something for you to do. So um, Lectio Divina is something I learned in, in grad school, and uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, my daughter Harper, she's eight, she was with me uh, in the office, and uh, man, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I was getting all snug down, ready to do my, my study time, you know, had my coffee, and my Bible, all ready to go, right? 
And, and you know, I was going to dive into this Lectio Divina time, and then I looked across the table, and there was my daughter. And I thought, you know, I'm messing up. Come here, Harper. And so I just invited her into this process, and she didn't know anything about Latin or Lectio Divina. And I just said, hey, do you want to do, do a Bible study with me? She said, yeah, sure. So she climbed up, and we read a passage of Scripture for a few minutes. We talked about, well, what do you think that means? And then we prayed that meaning into our, into our lives. Well, let's pray for that. What would that look like for us? Let's pray that meaning into our life. And then I told her, I said, all right, now, now this is really, honestly, this is the funnest part. Now we've, we've prayed. We've given this to God. Now let's listen and see what God has to say to us. Do you believe? Do you believe that God wants to talk to you? She, yeah. So how do we do this? And so I said, well, let's just sit quietly. I'll leave my laptop open. And, and whatever you feel like God, through the Holy Spirit, is speaking to you, I just want you to type it out. We're just going to have a few quiet moments. Whatever God says, you just, you just type that out. If you feel like God's telling it to you, you just type it out there. Here's what she wrote. Be happy and thankful for what you have. Trust me, you are not alone. I love you very much. I will always be in your life, heart, and mind, no matter what happens. I left my son to die for the world, children, and grown-ups. I love my people more than anything in the world. Love your enemies like I love you. I know what you're thinking. I did not type this. Eight years old. Eight years old. If she can learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, and so can you. So can we all. In just a few minutes, we're going to have a, have a time of communion, a time around table. It's, it, I invite you to have conversations with each other. I invite you to, you know, if you want to get your blessings in, go ahead. This is a great time. I invite you to remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Remember his life, his death, his resurrection. But as you enter into this time, too, remember the one that came after him, the one who is still here, working to bring about his purpose in each of our lives. Uh, I invite the, you guys in the worship team, if y'all want to go ahead and come back up, I just want to share a few final thoughts with you as we wrap up our time. My son, who's three, is in preschool and Every day we kind of get a little, basically like a report card of how his day went at preschool. Um, <laughs> we pray a lot about those little report cards. Um, the most frequent comment on his report card, his daily report, is Cannon needs to work on his listening ears. You know, there are... Uh, your shepherds here at this church, the elders at this church, they're in this role serving this church because the Holy Spirit spoke to them. That God called them into this role, into this place of, of service. 
My wife and I, our family, are at Aspen Grove Christian Church. We left a 6,000-member church to come and work at a church of 25, what, four years ago? What caused us to make that move? What caused us to take that step? We believe the Holy Spirit set that whole thing in motion. We believe the Holy Spirit told us, hey, this is where God wants you. Is the Holy Spirit a thing? Very much yes. It's here and now, available to each and every one of you. If you trust scripture, if you trust God's word, then the Holy Spirit is waiting here today to speak truth into your life, to teach you about Jesus, to, to convict you of your sin, to speak for you, to stand next to you as an advocate, to speak for you when needed, to bring you gifts of peace and life. Maybe a better question than, is the Holy Spirit a thing, is, do you have your listening ears on? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. God, I pray that you would give us courage to trust it, to believe it. Father God, sometimes the, when we talk about things like spirits and Holy Spirits and, okay, we, we don't know how this works. And, and, and Father God, I know right now that there are people in this room that, that have, have lived a Christian life, lived under that name for a long time, but never trusted your spirit, never experienced the, the power of your spirit in their own life. And so, Father God, I pray for some walls to be broken down. I pray for some, for some genuine, genuine trust to come out. I pray, Father God, that, that, that our church would be a spirit-filled church, and that means uh, supernatural. That means that things happen without us completely understanding or, or knowing that, Father God, we recognize there's a force at work in our world to bring about your kingdom. And that force is speaking into each and every one of us that wants to speak into each and every one of us. So, Father God, where, where we've been hesitant, where we, we've, we have filled our lives with distractions, where we've plugged our ears, Father God, bring us to a place where we can listen and receive your spirit again. Even now, again, Father God, right now in this place, I ask that your Holy Spirit would come and fill each and every person with, with a, such a powerful, undeniable presence, Father God, that, that we just couldn't, we can't escape from it. Father God, remind us of your breath, of your wind, even now here today. It wasn't just something, the Holy Spirit isn't just something that happened sometime else, some other place, but is alive here today. Father God, we remember the Spirit. We remember your Son, Jesus. God, even Jesus said, man, the one who's coming after me, you're going to be able to do even greater things through him than I was able to do. Father God, give us the courage to trust that, to trust those words. We love you, Father. And in your Son, Jesus' name, everyone together says, Amen. As I just so, um, if even half of what the New Testament says about the Holy Spirit is true, we should be pretty excited, I think. Are you with me? So I send you out this week uh, with some more holy habits. Uh, this week I send you out uh, to do what Elijah did. 
to do what Jesus did. I send you out to uh, your habit this week is to have one dedicated time of listening. That's it. You don't have to do it every day. You don't have to do it every hour, not three times a day. Just want one period of time this week that you set aside the, the habit of contemplatio, the habit of holy listening, of sacred listening. So I want you to set aside a designated time. Uh, maybe if there are, there are others around you, go ahead and let them know, hey, this is my time right here. You, you may have to be even bold and, and go to a quiet, isolated place. You're going to do have to do that really hard thing of taking that phone out of your pocket and leaving it somewhere else, right? You're going to have to fight for some quiet space, for a lonely place. It, it's hard to find, but you can do it. I want you to fight for that space. Remove distractions. Uh, be prepared to sit for maybe 15 or 20 minutes. Practice Lectio Divina. Let that kind of lead you into the moment. Start with Scripture. Uh, read, a, read a passage of Scripture. Don't read a whole book. Don't read a whole chapter. Just read a small section. Think about what that means. What is God saying to me through his word? Pray that meaning into your life, and then just sit and wait. And then the, the most important part of this is as you allow God in, as you follow his prompting, I encourage you to write it down. Write it down. Did you feel the impact of letting my daughter write down what she heard from God? Man, you can have that same impact. Write it down. What I do is I just, uh, I'm, I'm better at typing than I'm at writing. And so as I'm just having a quiet moment, as I, I just kind of, I, I don't know, close my eyes, just kind of lock out distract, distractions, I just put my, my fingers on the keyboard and whatever I feel like God's speaking to me, that's what I write down. Write it down. Keep a record of this. See if it doesn't open you up to a new awareness of God moving in your life. I did this same exercise with a group of over 200 students um, in uh, junior high and high school students in New Mexico one year. So we were up in the mountains, and, and, I, and I got groups of about 50 at a time, and and uh, none of these students, all of them, and from a big, massive church, all of them Christian, none of them had ever listened to God before. None of them had even knew that God wanted to speak into their life. True, true story. So for the first time, for the over 200 students, I, I, I helped them practice Lectio Divina. And then when they came back, if they felt comfortable sharing what God had spoken to them, what the Holy Spirit had revealed to them, I just asked, hey, do you guys want to share? And not everyone did, and that was Okay. But some did. You know what I've never heard? All the times I've invited people to, to listen to God's Spirit, I've never heard words that are hurtful or condemning or, or uh, um, angry or upset. It always comes back with words of encouragement, words of affirmations, words of reminding, hey, I'm here, I'm with you, you're not alone, have no fear. Every single time. I think that's pretty powerful stuff. So, your habits uh, for this week. Uh, go ahead and put that last slide back up there. Uh, these are continuing habits. I don't want to give you a new one every week. I just want you to keep building on these as we get to the whole bells. Uh, I will bless three people this week, at least one of whom who is not a friend of Aspen Grove Christian Church. So that hasn't stopped. Let's keep going. Keep being conscious of blessing others. 
I want you to continue to eat with three people this week, at least one of whom who is not a friend of Aspen Grove. You can do it. Get out there. Call somebody. Invite somebody even here this morning. Uh, just invite your neighbors around your, your table for, for hot dogs. Um, some of you are going to knock this out right after we leave here. That's awesome. That's great. Spend time face to face. You can do it. And then finally, I want you to have one period of time this week. Man, if you need to take out your phones or, or, or build in a reminder, I want you to have one period of time this week uh, of dedicated listening to the Holy Spirit. Just create space. If you opened yourself, what would he say? How would he speak into your life? I think it could be pretty powerful.